Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today we're talking about the future of recruitment in games. We're looking at a new year now, current year, 2023 has been a lot of ups and downs and I definitely feel like with AI and all the upcoming changes in the industry next year, this is a good opportunity in December to kind of really get into what the future looks like in TA because there's a lot of changes that are happening. So we have four directors here or TA managers, senior TA specialists from four different gaming studios. I'll do some quick introductions. So. We have Lauren Sears from Wushu Studios, Senior TA Specialist, Fiona Turner from Dovetail Games, TA Manager, Ollie Lapworth from Lucid Games, Head of Talent, and the TA Director of Godzilla Games, Lisa Steele. So we've all brought a question to ask the other guests, and we'll get straight into some quick intros. So Fiona, be about yourself. Yep, so uh, I'm Fiona Turner and um, I work at Dovetail Games. I've been with the company for seven years now. Um, we are known as the niche kind of trains people uh, within the games industry. Um, but yeah, good to be here. Lovely, Lauren. Hi, I'm Lauren um, and I work for Wushu. Um, we are a, a co-development studio based in Liverpool. Um, we've just hit about 150 people, um, so we've steadily been growing over the last six years um, and I've been there just over a year and a half now. Amazing. Holly. Hey everyone, so I'm Holly, I'm the Head of Talent at Lucid Games. Um, I've worked in recruitment and talent acquisition for about seven or eight years now and in the games industry for about five. Um, I head up the talent function at Lucid, for those of you who don't know Lucid, uh, we're a games developer based in Liverpool. Um, I think I joined three and a half years ago. Uh, we had about 90 to 100 people and now we've just hit that 200 mark, which is exciting and plans to get to 250 in the next year, which is exciting. Exciting and scary, I'd imagine. Uh, Lisa Steele. Uh, so I'm Talent Acquisition Director of Gonzilla Games. We're a new uh, studio. We're only three, we're not quite three years old. Um, we are making a AAA Battle Royale game. Um, we have grown in three years from um, zero to just under 240 people. And I've been with the company almost three years. Uh, so I've helped grow most of those people. Um, and we plan to get to 250, 260 by time we're done. We have three studios, uh, UK, um, and then bases in Keep and Frankfurt. Fantastic. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right, let's get straight into it. So you've all brought a question to ask the other guests, and first up is Holly. Holly, what is your question and the context behind it? Great. So uh, my question is, how do we adapt our hiring strategy to the current industry environment? Um, the context behind that is essentially with lots of changes and challenges in the industry, like redundancies happening where there's like an influx of talent on the market so quickly. But of course, they come on the market just as quick as they go off the market. Um, and we're seeing that lots of studios are hiring rapidly and, of course, taking these candidates where we can. Um, so we've seen a lot of candidates like taking jobs, declining jobs, um, accepting then not starting with companies essentially. So how would we adapt our hiring strategy to, of course, suit these conditions and be able to position us in the best way? Um, so we get candidates, we get them to join Lucid, and then we also, of course, grow the studio alongside that. All right, you. Uh, Fiona, do you want to start on this one, please? Yeah, so um, it's tricky at the, at the moment, isn't it, with <laughs> with all the, all the changes in industry. Um, I think from our perspective, um, transparency is key um, throughout the whole hiring process and communication. Um, I think people are dropping off. Um, 
kind of quite a lot within a hiring process and uh, I think where people are panicking a little bit where people have lost roles etc within the industry they're taking the first job and then they're jumping to the next offer etc um, I think given as much information as you can about the studio and the hiring process um, keeping in touch with people every step of the way you know that human touch we've all got all of the softwares and ATS and everything that really helps um, along the way. But I think there's nothing like that human touch really where you're keeping in contact with somebody. And I think we're essentially selling ourselves as a studio to, to people as well. Um, we're looking very much at our well-being and people strategy um, just to really aid attraction and retention within the studio. Um, you know, in a time where pre-COVID um, things were quite settled, post-COVID we had that massive boom in, in jobs, which was then leading to higher salaries and now, you know, all the cuts. Um, I think you've got to look at different ways of how you're keeping your own talent um, within your studios. Um, so we've brought in things like half day payday, um, does exactly what it says. Um, so every month, the week we get paid uh, as a studio, we shut down lunchtime. Um, it doesn't have a big impact on deadlines and uh, of the studio itself, um, but it does give people time back with their families at the end of each month. And, you know, it adds six days to your holiday allowance as well, uh, which is lovely. Um, we've also got something called the Explorer policy. Um, again, it's not having a really big impact on studios working together um, and obviously their deadlines, but the Explorer policy, we're calling it a policy, but <laughs> policy always makes it sound like something scary. Um, but it really, it's allowing people that have got family overseas to go and visit and work at the same time. Or maybe you're just a bit of a traveler and you wanna go and visit another country and work at the same time and combine it with a holiday. Um, but with kind of things like that menopause policy as well, I think the fact that we're being so open about a lot of things is really making people see the transparency and, and want to come and work for us. So, yeah, I just think the more honest you can be, the more transparent and the more communication. Um, it, our website, for instance, we've just put a new careers hub on there about our hiring process of what to expect. If you can manage expectations and answer questions beforehand, then that's good loads of practical things you can do like straight away i love that and i love the idea of the explorer policy like working remotely and then you can combine that over holiday super nice and i think it's important reminder you mentioned like you could you don't have to leave that to the end when they've started and say oh by the way here's all the benefits right you can sell that from the very get-go which i think is an important reminder uh lauren I'll come to you next that's all right yeah, sure. Um, I think for us as well, um, you know, we've not got, I, I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people, there's not a load of recruitment to do now, you know, we're coming to Christmas, it's the end of the year. Um, and for us in Codev as well, it's very project dependent. So we, we normally have to be quite reactive um, rather than being proactive. Um, so with with regards to what Holly said with the situation with, with all the layoffs, we're just trying to um, have a lot of conversations with people, um, make them aware of who we are put them on their radar a lot of people are still in consultation for a number of months um so i think it is about kind of nurturing those relationships so um you know if the, if they are redeployed in a different role or you know maybe they've kind of got their sights set on on moving because of the instability um i've also spoken to a lot of people that haven't personally been affected by the layoffs but because they've lost so many friends and colleagues at their organization they are looking to move um so i think it's just about fostering those relationships relationships um trying to build up those pipelines for when when you maybe have got live vacancies um and also leveraging referral programs as well so you know if you've taken someone that from a company that you know are actively laying off get them to recommend you know their friends and colleagues that that are you know really high performers in the business and it's it's a really easy way to to pipeline talent that long-term strategy basically like, like what i used to do and the referral program is so massive right and i think the way you phrased it was so nice, like the pipeline. I'm not going to jump in every time, but I just thought it really uh, spoke to me there. Like you can just say, hey, we can have that chat. And then if it's relevant, we can always come back to it. And I think that's just such a healthy way of looking at it because then you're not rushing every single time you have a new job posting because you've spoken to so many people. Lisa, what do you think? I, I think, you know, um, the, the one thing I would say is don't panic. And, and when you're talking to people, don't panic. You know, I've, I've been in and around um, the industry now for nearly 20 years, 20 years next year. So um, I've 
been on this merry-go-round of hires and fires within the industry a couple of times, yeah? So um, there's just sort of, I suppose the difference for us is we're in a new studio. So we, we've spent the last three years kind of trying to just engage people anyway. So our entire strategy is based around kind of getting people to know who we are because we, we you know, we're three years old and nobody knows who we are. Nobody, we haven't bought a game out. So um, actually reaching out to all these new people coming on the market, it, that's kind of not the di different for us because... You know, um, but what we can do is kind of introduce them a little bit better into who we are, um, what we can offer them. But the way we engage is different. Yeah, Holly, you got a question. Mute. <laughs> no, I actually, it was more um, just to understand, because you mentioned, of course, that you've been through the merry-go-round lots of times. And yeah. just to kind of understand, like, is there anything in particular that you've done in the past that kind of has um, worked for you or anything at all that stand out? I mean, I know, Fee, you mentioned you've introduced the, loads of good policies. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lauren, one of the things you said there was pipeline and network. So pipeline and network is really important. If you can't use them now, you might be able to use them in the future. And if you can't use them in the future, then they might have a friend you can use. So kind of policy and procedure is always about trying to attract people to us, but also understanding that not everyone's going to want to have that conversation with us they're not going to know who we are so it's how we have those engagements and how my team have those engagements in terms of if not us then who else could they be good for i've i've pointed people into other companies because we're not what they want you know um but that's good for me because you know if I ever reach out to that person again or you know that person's talking about talking to their friends about who to talk to then they're gonna have a positive fuzzy feeling about me because I've helped them go somewhere else um so a little of the strategy that we do is engage as many people as we possibly can but no you're not going to help them all and how do you kind of help them to find their next role yeah um but internally all the policies we've put in place as well is so we have just introduced unlimited paid vacation which is quite good for a lot of people so there's no limit to the time off you can take here um so what we want to engage our and encourage our development team to do is to take downtime between sprints and milestones yeah to regularly rest between sprints and milestones. We're making a triple A, you know, we're making a free to play. So there's a lot of, we're making our first game. There's a lot of those sprints and milestones going on. Um, so it's kind of getting that information out to people in the industry who maybe are coming from a situation where they've also been in sprints and milestones, but not had that luxury. Um, but so, so kind of that's part of the policies that we've been putting in place. Um, let's like say, um, but we are a new studio so it's kind of saying to people look this is us you know that's that's you know but also reassuring people in the industry that it might feel bad now but it will get better you know we we've had these bad times before will it will get better we will have, it'll pick back up again um so so current strategy you know hiring strategy is flexible you've got to be flexible and also cut what you can cut yeah if you don't need it if if you are think you're gonna lose somebody really good that the team really need but you have a policy and a process in place that says they don't get to speak to that hiring manager until after they've spoken to you i would say cut that and try and introduce the hiring manager and that person earlier in the process because who's going to sell the role better and the challenges of the role better than the person who they're actually going to be reporting to. So, you know, um, policy and procedure and, um, and, and process are great, but they should never get in the way of hiring good people. I'd second that a thousand percent. I think if you have a three-stage process and the one that seems to get the most kind of reaction is the third one, then definitely try to put it in the first one. Or another way, just make sure the people doing the interviews, I don't know, are passionate and they're prepared and they're basically doing a little pitch as well, like at least at the start of the end of the role, because then 
hopefully you get less people dropping out of that process because they can feel like they can learn just from the process itself just give them more face time i've seen that happen a lot where they just get really impressed by the manager but they're not so sure on the role but then they get sold on the role as they go through the process like oh actually this is amazing but it was from that first impression that brought them through kind of the entire process i want to take this back to you holly just for like some closing thoughts i don't know um what are you thinking for, for like for next year like for your strategy? Um, I think probably similar to what everyone's mentioned in terms of like, we are of course building our pipeline, networking a lot and not just hiring people who at the moment, but again, hiring people who have not been affected, but also people who are in the industry and their friends have been affected, their colleagues have been affected essentially. Um, I think a lot of thing that we've focused on as well as a studio is implementing like key benefits um, and new policies to support that as well, just to make our attraction in general. Um, a lot better and make us like an employer of choice in comparison to our competitors so that is something that we have looked at and spent a lot of time on um especially this year so i, I guess that's that's how we've approached it so far um i do really like as well um fiona when you've mentioned about your transparency i think maybe that's something where probably can improve on um i think sometimes you get holding so much information that you forget it's actually just easier to let everyone know um but yeah so maybe that's something i'll probably take on board and have a look into to see what we can share and just externalize what exists is probably the plan fantastic i'm just going to pause there guys so i'll edit this part out so if someone raises their hand feel free to finish your point and then you can naturally let it go don't worry lisa i've marked it down so it will sound fine <laughs> Oh, we can't hear you anymore. Yeah, I know. I forget to turn the mic off. Um, I do that. I talk about it because I do it because when we play test the game, I swear in the game. So I have to keep remembering to do that because they're trying to get feedback on the game and all they've got me is me effing and jeffing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm just if somebody wants to ask a question, I'm kind of naturally, hey, what's yeah. your question? You know, um, so, yeah. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Essentially, if someone raised their hand, if you finish your point, then you can just Ooh. pass the baton by just naturally saying, for example, in that instance, you could say, Holly, thoughts, full stop. No need to recognize the hand being raised, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Alrighty. So, yep, I've marked out no stress. So, going to pause. Right. We'll move on to the next question, which is from Fiona. Fiona, what is your question and the context behind it? So, it, so yeah, um, mine is more based around kind of those mid-level senior hires uh, at the moment. Obviously, we've seen a lot of cuts in industry, as you said, but those really good people, for instance, you know, development managers, senior dev managers, if we're looking at technical artists or programmers, um, you know, the studios that are making cuts are going to want to keep hold of those people. Um, so, uh, you know, it'd be really interesting to hear your strategies on when it comes to, you know, those mid-level and senior hires. I know Lisa had said earlier about building relationships and you know you're finding it difficult because you haven't made your game yet it's been in in plan for three years well you know on the on the other side of it we make trains and you know people think do I do I need to like trains to play the games and you know that attraction is is tough um so yeah thoughts Lauren yeah um I think it's about leveraging the USBs really of the, of the company um like you'd said earlier Fiona a lot of the benefits and things that you've put in place um you know really gonna put you give you a competitive edge against um other other studios, you know, these people really, they're in demand talent. They're going to have a pick of several job offers usually. Um, so I'd say it, it's just really about leveraging those unique selling points. So for us, it's things like we are happy to facilitate 100% remote. There's no mandatory studio work. Um, and I think those are the things that, especially at that level, they're going to start to pick and choose, you know, um, what's important to me? Do I want to be 100% remote? Um, you know, if they've got families, they don't want to be relocating. Um, and things like establishing uh, the stability of the business as well, especially given the, the layoffs at the moment. Um, for us in CoDev as well, it's something that I, I always talk about. I feel like there, there's quite a lot of stability because we've got a number of projects running simultaneously. Um, so, you know, it's 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 relatively quite stable really um because we've always got stuff that's uh, uh on the horizon really so that that's kind of my thoughts what do you think lisa i was actually gonna say i'd actually lean into 
the work you do in the game you do. So uh, again, one of the taking it back to to um, OTG and and Godzilla, you know, we we we're not known, but we've had some big news drops that we had like Neil coming to join us and things like that. You know, so we I really lean into the fact that we have this Hollywood director as part of the company. You know. Because we may not have made a game, but hey, we've got this guy coming to work for us. So um, that's kind of picking the bits that you can really lean into and lead with. A little like Holly said, uh, Lauren, sorry, said there. Um, the fact that yeah, yeah, you don't, you know, lean into the fact that you don't need to like trains to come and work on this because you'll learn everything you're ever going to want to know about trains by working on the game. Yeah, um, and kind of developing marketing strategies very i mean we the um uh, we're, we're sorry the way we do things here anyway we're doing things different anyway because i've we don't have interviews in our company nobody interviews anybody everybody chats to them yeah our whole marketing is based around chatting to people not interviewing them because it's, it's a psychology thing of um you tell somebody you're going to interview them and you're got you get nervous yeah I, I can guarantee all four all four of us got nervous a little bit before doing this podcast because it's an interview yeah chat to somebody think of it as a chat so leaning into that idea of yeah no that's fine you've never worked you've never you know you've got no interest in in trains let's have a chat about that let's let's you know and and thinking you know there's mid to senior level people they're in the point of their career sometimes where they are still needing a little bit of um, leading in different places, but also they're still trying to work out where they're going to go in their careers. So what can they develop in their personal goals and careers from coming to join your company? Even if, you know, no one stays anywhere forever, but even if they they only stay with you for four or five years, what are they going to get out of that that helps them get to their ultimate goal? Those for me are the things to lean into. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll throw that back to you, Val. What you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I love what you said there. The whole psychology thing. Um, we always say first mate, first stage, initial chat, uh, more on meet and greet. I think it really helps people's minds to settle beforehand and they think well that's okay I can do this I can I can talk I can talk about myself um so I love that you've said that as well you know aligned it's cool oh you muted there we go uh one thing that Lisa had said there that's really good as well is is uh explaining what progression looks like because if they're sort of mid-senior um or even mid you know what's next for them have they been in the same um sort of level for you know could have been there i've spoke to people that have done like seven years um as a senior that are, do they want to step up to lead are they looking at managing teams like where do they want to be um so you can cut, try and use uh your career progression um and and, and discuss what that what that would look like at, at your organization to try and attract them so that they can you know get something out of their career rather than just kind of being stagnant where they are those are practical points they're amazing um, I want to throw it back to Holly. Any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's loads of different ways you can kind of approach it. Um, I think in our studio, most of our senior mid-level hires are all pretty much referrals um, from our team. And it's kind of just using um, them team members as like brand ambassadors. Uh, we ask our teams like personal socials, mentions their friends, any meetups they go up to. That's how we kind of get the attraction of that. Um, and I guess it's kind of understanding as well the motivations because like you say, you don't know how to kind of get these candidates on board, but it could be that they want to work on trains. They might want to work locally to you. Um, they might be great friends with people at the studio. So I guess a lot of like the actual senior to mid-level is to find out what attracts and what motivates them essentially rather than just using it as like approach, which I know like some people can do. It's just like try and get anyone you possibly can. Um, but I always find that like, proper targeted approaches always work for me. Um, I think things like careers events, probably you're not going to get your mid to senior hires there. Like I know things like develop are great for like attraction as a company, um, but we would never get actual senior hires from there. We'll get a lot of junior hires. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably just adapting their talent attraction things and then trying to get to see what people are motivated by and then kind of tailoring your process around that. Um, like I think Lisa said, if that means changing the first stage to make it more of a chat so they feel 
less pressured like it's not a serious interview to start with then that's great as well i think it's just all about tailoring it to each person and one thing i'd add because most of my hires have been seniors i've done most of them through linkedin connection or in mails and i'd second what been said about the chat um i've had a lot more success i guess most of my it's been 50 50. if you have a specific role and you can tell it's perfect i tell them why i think it's perfect and then hopefully get them to tell me oh yeah that is perfect and then hop on a chat and if they're not currently open to work still a lot of the hires have been passive for me so i always leverage like we can have this half an hour chat and then this is what i hope you'd benefit from you know you get access to 30 studios we can chat understand a bit more about you and once you've had this chat i'll know forever and i feel like you can do that from a studio to candidate basis as well and one thing i'd say i hear a lot of reasons why people leave jobs when they become senior the one thing i hear all the time is like impact if they're working on a massive project but they feel like a cog in the wheel but they can join your project and they can feel like they can like either lead a team or progress personally that's massive and sometimes they'd even take a pay cut i've seen that happen all the time so it's not always money so i think there's a lot of small things which you have going for you um uh, fiona specifically like when you have the kind of the well-being added to it and the progression plan like there's a lot of things that a lot of seniors that i speak to like they, they would love kind of thing lisa I was just gonna say I don't I mean one of the, the ones that I like to use especially you know the mid mid to senior ones is the ego lead yeah so the having a um and it sounds I don't know if it's not playing on people but it's having a a reach out that specifically says our hiring manager our technical director our lead environment artist whoever Ask me to reach out to you and have this chat because he likes your profile. It's the ego lead, yeah? Because somebody goes, ooh, you know? I mean, obviously, do get their say-so before you you do that, which I tend to do. I tend to know which ones they're going to like and which ones they don't. And I'm sure you work closely enough with your your people to know which ones they're going to go. No, we, they were really going to like this guy um, from their profile. They've got the right skill sets, you know, background and everything like that. That's exactly what they asked me for. Um, and then go in with the ego lead because they automatically think, oh, hang on a second. This isn't just some random reach out they've taken the time to look at my profile and they know that they want to talk to me already so the ego lead i always think is a good one yeah and just to add as well i was about to say i mean it's a long game i think with mid to senior hires um, i cannot express how difficult it is to actually accept that though i think like years ago when i joined lucid i was messaging so many people and it was like, oh no not now and then especially in like the past 12 months you now get people coming to you and actually saying oh that job that you mentioned three years ago well actually i do feel ready for that lead designer role um and it's just about trusting that if you do approach it in the right way hopefully karma does come back around and you do get a really good candidate to come back to you 100% second that loads of conversations which have happened by text 12 months ago then they start working at a studio nine months later and you just have to also I think have a process as well I've only done that relatively recently um which is kind of silly to admit like have a process to reach out to the top talent every couple of months if you haven't been able to get one a chat uh, the first time because it wasn't the right timing or they may not logged into LinkedIn that month like it happens. So definitely try to have a process for like that superstar talent, I'd say. Amazing. Alrighty. So let's move on to the third question, which is from Lisa. Lisa, what is your question and the context behind it? Uh, so um, my question is regarding uh, ChatGBT and AIs. Uh, it's placing the future of recruitment. Um, but pros and cons. So um, my context behind this is um, mainly related to um, the background I have is mainly working with art and animation people. I've, that's always been my bread and butter in terms of candidates that I've worked with. So we're seeing a, a rise in AI generated portfolios and things like that. But also as TAD, I, I'm now getting bombarded with a lot of marketing and emails from external recruiters which is quite obviously being written by chat gpt um personally i think it has a place in the recruitment process but i also see big issues with it as well so um i mentioned there the uh, art and animation demo reels and things like that when we're assessing people's portfolios who made it 
how do they make it how do we know that's theirs you know um you know getting not to say caught out but you know we, we want the strongest we want the best of the best we don't want somebody who's using somebody else's stuff and putting it off as their own likewise though with cvs and things like that you know people using chat gpt to rewrite their cvs to match your job spec could be good on ones on hand because we're not going to have um those overwritten cvs anymore hopefully um but also bad on the other hand if they're given as information and claiming to have experience that they don't have and i know that's part of our job as recruiters and hiring managers but you know we we're time sensitive our, our managers are time sensitive do we want to be wasting our time with it so i see both the positives and the negatives in it um but i just wanted to know what, what's everybody else's thoughts on this uh have you had any experiences with it lauren um, I think it's like you said, it's 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 a tool. Um, I've not used it personally, but I know that it is useful for things in recruitment, like generating job ads, job specs, job descriptions, stuff like that. Maybe if it's a role that you've not hired before, it will scrape, you know, a load of ones that are on the Internet and kind of build you one. So I think it, it's a useful tool in that respect. But I think there's this weird perception that. AI is going to come and steal recruiters jobs and that the ATS is all AI and that, you know, at the end of the day, a human is is having to look at, at your application. It's it's not like <laughs> there's not um, a magical system that's like, oh, you're rejected because you didn't use this keyword. Um, so I think it's, it's a tool that can be used. But on the other side of it, from a candidate's perspective, um, it, yeah, like you'd said, it is, it's very obvious when someone's used it to write cover letter, um, they they just they seem it's it's a certain tone i guess it, it takes the human element out of it um but also we did have a case where we were hiring for um some junior graduate uh, programmers um and we set a, a very small technical task and two people submitted the exact same answer um that transpired they they'd used chat gpt um and we did call them out on it and neither of them responded um <laughs> but yeah, it, it it does. It is quite obvious, and I think if you if you were ever in a position where you did hire someone, um, and you know they didn't have the skills that they were purporting to to actually have, it would become very obvious very quickly um, if they were thrown into development. So I think it's I think it's a tool that can be used, um, but yeah, there's there's obviously this this ethical um, debate see the side of it. It's not something that I'm actively using, but I can see how it would be helpful to other people. Holly? Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the fence with it, if I'm honest, uh, which I know we don't like being on the fence. Um, but I guess I can see the benefits of it when it comes to like an administrative point of view. Um, the thing is that it cannot be trusted on its own. Like I've, I've done it before when I put a job description in there and then they read it and I'm like, that is nothing what I think it should be. So you then spend loads of more time actually editing it. I just think I could have written this myself quicker. So I guess it can never fully be trusted from like an actual like talent acquisition function view. And then I guess with applications and trying to monitor candidates using it and stuff, I guess we've seen quite a few cover letters. Um, and personally, when someone's got a cover letter, I kind of read it and think that's fine if you've used chat GPT because you don't actually need a cover letter. And I guess with their CV, some people are more talented at writing CVs that if a system's going to help them write it, is it bad if it's lying? Yes, of course. However, if it's actually telling you all the information that you need and the information on there is factual, it's not that bad. Um, I guess from the flip side of that, it's kind of about as like talent acquisition, people supporting hiring managers and being able to spot when something is AI or when something is chat GBT essentially. Um, and I think that's probably where over the next year, I guess we'll see lots of new projects coming up for time acquisition about stuff like this and being able to identify it, whether new tools will come in to support us or whether it be about seeing different cues essentially when it's been used. Um, but I think that's probably going to be the bigger challenge and the next big thing for recruitment professionals to do essentially is to kind of crack down on that and find out where it's being used and where it's not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on the fence a little bit as well. I've got to say, um, to kind of reiterate what some of you have picked up as well, you know, I think it could improve efficiency amongst the teams um, when you're using it, chat GBT to do your job descriptions, et cetera, and everything else. But I just think it loses 
authenticity a little bit of not only your own brand um of the company but you know of the person as well so if they're using it you're not actually seeing that person's true self you don't know how your values are going to fit together how they're going to fit with the companies um you know if the candidates are relying on ai um you're not really seeing the person that's behind it on the flip side you know as a pro for somebody say for instance that was applying for a role from an art or animation kind of perspective that had a great portfolio but they weren't so good at their writing and skills you know it, it gives them that edge to actually put something that's decent in front of a recruiter um you know which some people do struggle with so yeah it's a tricky one um i'm not sold i'm not sure <laughs> i have a few things here so i feel like as you've all mentioned like if you rely on ai for things you could have done on your own before then the people that are actually doing the work or writing a cover letter by hand it sounds like we can all tell so that is actually that has basically raised the standards essentially from just doing what we did before because everyone else is kind of taking the shortcut and especially with tech test for junior i feel like that's an easy one where you can either see it and if you're completely relying on a tech test to hire someone then potentially throw in some live mm. tech testing then you cash them out eventually um one thing i wanted to add here which is a bit of a um, tangent to what we're talking about is just in, on the administrative drive. So recently, like AI, like if I record a meeting and put that into AI to get some takeaways, that actually helps quite a bit. So we've had a lot of, I've had some success where if I'm recording a job qualification call and it goes on for 40 minutes, I'm obviously writing a lot of notes by hand, but if I put that transcript into either ChatGBT and it's like, hey, any, did I miss any of these takeaways here? And sometimes there's some stuff, so, oh, cool. But like Holly said, you don't trust it on its own ever. So you will have to take your own notes, but sometimes I think it catches stuff that we miss and you can hopefully just make the admin part a bit quicker, which in my head, like no one's losing out in that in situation. So I think that's uh, a nice thing where it can give you that skeleton to start, whether it be a job spec or notes from a meeting, it can give you that kind of inspiration to go and then hopefully save some time along the way. What do you think, Lisa? What do you think 2024? I was going to say, I haven't, I mean, I, I I do use it for certain things. I haven't used it for job specs. So I'm going to give that a go because I've got some ones, some new ones coming up. So yeah, you guys have inspired me to give it a go and see what it looks like. I have never thought of using that. Um, I use it for, um, admin tasks there's other things out there that i think that beyond just chat gpt and ai so um there's some new parts coming onto the market that are quite good so i don't know if you've all used scribe at all um but scribe is a um an ai tool whereby it it record it you can be when you're onboarding someone new say someone new to your team or department um if you're using scribe at the same time you're showing them your ats for example it will screenshot at certain points in the process for you and then create it into a document which then you can use the next time round yeah um so there is versions of ai out there that i think are really good the problem i have with ai is in, in as a whole in chat gpt and things like that is it is a machine learning. It will keep learning. So yes, we can spot it at the moment, but it's designed to keep learning and get better and learn how to hide itself. Yeah. So it's only going to get harder as it goes on, as it improves, as it learns more, as as people use it. I don't know if you've all tried using, I'm guessing you all use Slack for work, but we tried using Albus, which is the Slack version of AI. Yeah. And we spend an entire, as a company, I mean, not that there's any, we, we, but we spend an entire afternoon um, trying to teach it to take over the world through Slack um, by posing questions to it. And it was amazing how quickly it came around to being able to create its own suggestions. You know, a hundred programmers and developers and, and computer games people just taking, we were thought we were taking the mick out of it by keep posing questions to it, but it learned really quickly. So I think that's where my concern with it comes from is just how quickly it can learn and how we're going to have to keep combating that. So I think 
from a TA point of view, we now have to think about adding that into the sorting process for people. You know, up till now, we've always gone, have they got the correct career background, the right experience, the right games, the right university or degree or, you know, all this, you know, have they worked on the right kind of games for us? And then when we're assessing people's applications through our ATSs, I think we're going to have to start looking at it and going, does this look like all their own work? You know? Um, and if it isn't, then um, are we okay with the bits that they've used AI for? You know, Holly, you're going to pop back in with something. Yeah, I was just going to ask, do you think it's worth potentially in the future, like studios essentially putting on job descriptions saying, I don't know, like we, your work is reviewed by humans. Can you make your own work or we don't accept applications that have, I, I, I don't know, is, is that something that maybe might be I think, yeah. I think in the future we're going to definitely on the, particularly because I saw the other day that some studios are now actively saying they will take people who have got AI generated artwork. So some, there are some studios out there that are considering taking those people. Yeah. And there was an article, um, oh, somewhere on LinkedIn and I forgot which one it was now, but there are some studios who are kind of saying, well, you know, they, that person can create that using AI, then um, I think it was mainly on the mobile side. But um, but yeah, so I think we're going to have to start in the future putting things out there saying no AI generated content, no AI generated artwork to be submitted, um, you know, um, or, you know, please indicate if you've used a chat gpt to create your mother letter because you're not saying it's a bad thing you're just saying let us know i think you know um we have a lot of people in um ukraine and english isn't their first language and a lot of them struggle with written english as much as they do with spoken english so actually using something that helps them improve that's not a bad thing so yeah, I think we're going to have to in the future integrate it into it, and but it's also going to be have to be more out there. I think that context is really important. I feel like if you're transparent with them, saying, "Hey, please let us know," and then you can take that into account. Are they based in a place where English isn't their first language, and so on and so forth? And hopefully, we can all take that as a variable rather than be like, "No to AI, yes to AI," and we don't have to make it that binary. I guess. Uh, hmm. One thing I wanted to add, um, if you are in the mood to do some employee branding, I've just figured out a new tool, Riverside FM. So I basically uploaded my LinkedIn live webinar I did and I just click magic clips and it made like 15 clips that you can then post. And I didn't hmm. have to edit it. So I'm guessing like you, we don't have a massive budget where we can go and make clips for our employee branding or LinkedIn profile. So I'd say if you have a bit more wind down time, you can like interview a hiring manager around a topic. And then if you pop it into Riverside FM, like stupid, good quality for the amount of time I put into it. So that's one thing which I think can be done. Like if you're in the mood to like make some clips, mm. get, give people mm. a window into what the studio is like. Mm. Well, that's good. That's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. I have I have a particularly hard role that I that we've been trying to fill for a long time, and we're trying to we're we're now to we're beyond um we're we're at think outside the box stage now. Um, yeah. In fact, the box isn't even in the in the in the dis is somewhere in the distance. Just start so, getting you know, billboards out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 thinking carrier pigeons. You know. <laughs> yeah. We just got to make ourselves aware. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's Riverside FM, and there's other tools that do it, but that's the one that's worked for me. Um, alrighty, final question, which is from Lauren. Lauren, what is your question and the context behind it? Okay, so my question is, um, especially given all the, the kind of layoffs at the moment, that's kind of context. Um, I feel like talent is often one of the first functions that is that is cut from a business that is, that is you know, actively laying off staff, because if you're not hiring anyone, it, the, I feel like businesses are very ruthless, are very quick to, to cut the TA. So how do we safeguard the future of, of talent acquisition and create sustainable talent teams? Righty, I want this to go straight to Fiona first. Uh, I'm going to pick up on something that uh, Lisa said earlier. Um, just don't panic, this will pass. You know, we, ha we have seen it in the games industry before. Um, you know, there has been rise and falls um, previously and it will get better. But... Um, I myself, I'm using this time to really 
upskill myself a little bit. Um, so as, as as an individual, um, I've done quite a lot of work surrounding uh, mental health. Um, I've been on a Connect, Connect 5 um, training course, so that I'm going to be delivering that to um, our line managers in the new year and giving them toolkits to have connected conversations within their teams. Um, you know, mental health is a big topic at the moment. We want to reduce the stigma. We've levelled up with um, Safe in Our World as well. Um, and yeah, I, I just think People do generally look at talent teams um, as the first people to go, um, but don't panic. It will get better. Hiring will commence. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that message me from internal TA teams. Um, I've seen how external recruiters, TAs are really struggling as well, and they're looking at new ways, but it will all pass. Yeah, it is a cyclical nature. I, I'd second that. Holly, thoughts? Um, I guess as like a discipline, um, education's key. I think a lot of companies at the moment use talent acquisition as just recruiters and think a lot of the time that recruiters need to just recruit people and that's it. Um, and I guess in the past few years, because the industry has been so much and everyone has been hiring millions of roles constantly, it has made people so reactive. But I think kind of educating senior management um, and advising them on things that actually talent acquisition can do things like employee brand and different uh, policies different procedures um that kind of thing is probably the best way to future proof as is like a discipline um but i think that comes from being in the busy periods and talking about what else you can offer a studio um as i think again it's just looked at a lot of times as can you just hire this person rather than actually well actually i can train managers i can support leads and i think it's just about getting our offerings um, and finding different projects as well that will benefit the studio at quiet periods. I know at Lucid that we've had quiet periods where I've then gone and done lots of different training with leads and managers or working an employee random project. Um, and I guess that's that's kind of the things that we can be doing as talent acquisition teams. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty passionate about going into local schools and communities as well. Um, we're coming up to January, new time, you know, uh, we're going into the new, not new academic year, but a new term um, within the schools. Um, and I'm a STEM ambassador as well. So it's quite nice to go into the schools, colleges for their careers fairs not only um, for the fairs, but also to give talks and inspire young people into games, really. I think starting at year seven, eight, nine, before they've chosen options, etc., to really educate them and say to kids, so what's your favourite subjects? If you thought about a career in community or social media, you know, what do you love doing? To be able to spread the word as well in this downtime that we have um, to young people, you know, it's it, it's making a way for new talent for the future isn't it and that's kind of mentioning something we said earlier like you're giving out that goodwill it comes back eventually um 100 and yeah 100 if you I've, i hear from studios that do it they get so many more diverse applicants when you go and show face essentially so if you have any room for junior talent especially i think for the diverse um talent like showing up in person being that hey we exist and that's just that's massive for like getting that uh, inbound uh, talent stream going and i think that's something you can do throughout the year and obviously you could set that up during a quieter time and hopefully do that throughout what do you think lisa i i think an echo quite a lot of what they, you've all said i mean the other thing to do is is diversify as a team you know um in in terms of not just building up your um links with your hiring managers and, and what have you but actively getting you know um so we we i work my team work really really closely with our marketing team and our hr team you know which i'm sure you all do as well but in 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 the way of okay how do we support you guys you know we 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 are, we've not really had any downtimes yet um, and i don't think we will do i mean this is the first month we've had any downtimes and what all we've done is is personally i'm redoing all our processes and um marketing because it, it, it i think you should always keep that up to date you should always be looking back at what you've got and could it be better could it be newer could it be done better had things changed as a market changed even in three years um but for my team I, they're all tasked with go away and tell me what you want to do in the future you know what do you want to be in the future? What aren't we doing at the moment that you want to get involved in? They want to get involved in content creation. Okay, go away and explore that. Come back to me with what you want to do. 
Um, but that then works with our marketing team because, you know, if we create things for our recruitment, it goes into our marketing, that goes into our brands, it goes into brand ambassadors and it all goes forward. Um, but also with our design and development teams, you know, what can we learn about them that makes us better at our jobs? So, you know, asking questions, well, why, you know, why do you do this in this role? Why why does that need to be? And and kind of learning more about the internal workings of our teams and games. So taking this time to do that. But I think we need to diversify as individuals, you know, so you're going to be talent acquisition, but what else could you be? Could you work with the HR team? Could you be part of the marketing team? Could you be a producer? Yeah. So the if we are having downtime as a company, then you have this ability to kind of go, well, you know, we, we don't need three TAs at the moment, but we could have somebody work as a producer for a while or a project manager or a product manager or, you know, so um, looking at ways you can diversify your team so that you keep everybody. But again, don't panic. Yeah, it, we will. We will. You know, um, we've just had an extraordinary time with the the uh, pandemic, which completely inflated our industry. You know, um, it wasn't. It it was all. This was always going to happen. I think. You know, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then the next big thing will come out, and everyone will start investing in the games industry again. And because that's what's kind of happening, nobody's investing in the games industry apart from certain places. Yeah. Next year's supposed to be a quiet year for games, but we know there's a couple of big ones coming out. 2025, yeah, GTA 6 is coming out. So we know there's going to be a huge amount of interest in, in games again and, you know, games investment. So, you know, we just have to ride the waves of the next 12 months um, by diversifying and looking at other things. Yeah, and thinking, how do we change our industry, actually? You know, if we think there's an issue, how do we change people's perceptions of us being disposable? Amazing. Lauren, just yeah. your closing thoughts there. Yeah, all super valid points. Agree with everyone. Um, I think it is slightly, Lisa said, diversifying the team, looking at the bigger picture of, right, we're not hiring right now, but could we boost our EVP, like Holly said, like Fiona, um, doing outreach. We try and go to different universities. We start going to like different schools as well, um, talking about careers and games, getting that outreach. And then, you know, it's it, it, it kind of boosts the whole marketing of the company from, from a very early point. Um, interview training, internal training, learning development. I think Holly touched on that as well. Um, yeah, there are there was always going to be, I guess, peaks and troughs in recruitment. But um, I mean, I'm quite lucky. I've got a HR background, so sometimes I'll get involved in policies, diversity and inclusion, benefits, stuff like that. So I think it's it's yeah, just the willingness to put your hand up and go, I'm I'm going to go do this and be proactive. Amazing, and we'll leave it there. This has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Lauren, Fiona, Lisa and Holly for providing their insights a week before Christmas. And thank you everyone at home for listening. If you'd like to get involved in an upcoming podcast, you can connect to me at LinkedIn at Harry Foku. Foku is spelled P-H-O-K-O-U. Thank you.